up and welcome back to 24 Minutes of A24, the podcast that takes a look at the A24 library 24 minutes at a time. I am Ethan Simi. And I'm Ben Lawhorn. This week on the pod, we're taking a break from our student film to talk about Joanna Hogg's 2019 film, The Souvenir. A young film student in the early 80s becomes romantically involved with a complicated and untrustworthy man. Spoilers are ahead for Joanna Hogg's The Souvenir. Um, this is going to be an interesting conversation. I'm genuinely curious to see what you, what you think. I feel like this movie could it just like splits us right down the middle in terms of like what one of us might really like and the other might might not. I'm anyway yeah, yeah, genuinely yeah. curious, very excited. We have lots of things to talk about before we talk about the souvenir, though. I do just want to note that this was voted on by uh, listeners. Again, we we took to the streets. We took to the socials, we did. and we asked all of you wonderful listeners to um, hit us with some underrated A24 movies, and we, we wanted to know, like, what are your underrated A24 movies? Lots of good ones out there. We mm-hmm. put four of them in a poll, and the souvenir just, just flew away with it. Lots, yeah, lots of votes for the souvenir. So that is what we are covering here on the episode, um, which is, is really exciting that we're going to cover something that you all want us to to cover we're very excited about that um first off first order of business ben mr ben here we go you watched after sun i did it and eight a24 had a screening room uh we are both triple a24 members so we got ten dollar tickets instead of twenty dollar tickets it was a one night only event um give me your thoughts i'm mentally preparing myself to either be very happy or very heartbroken it's going to go one or one of two ways. And we have not talked about this. Let's clarify. We have you not. texted me last night and you were like, very excited to talk about it. Not going to, no, I'm not even going to write my letterbox review because yeah. I don't want you to read what I had to say. Yeah. Yeah. I remember. Yeah. I was like, listen, I can't, I want to write my <laughs> review, but I'm not going to, cause I wanted to save it for the pod. Right. You know, the people who want this content, they want to know, <laughs> you know, your first exclusive. Yeah. And I mean, I even text you too. Like it was cool to finally listen to your episode uh, with Callum, mm-hmm. you know, talking about it. He was super awesome. So uh, yeah. Thanks to him for coming on. Okay. Here's my thoughts. <laughs> oh no. Um, no, I mean, overall it's positive. Overall it's very positive. Okay. Good, good, good. I, I like shot myself in the foot, I think with this movie. Um, and I think it's because I knew how much you loved it. So, sure. I, so I fucked it up for you. This was no, my fault. No, I <laughs> fucked it up. I want to I take full responsibility here. But, you know, I think it's fair to say that before you saw this movie, you and I were both like everything everywhere is either the movie of the year or at least the A24 movie of the year. Right. Right. And so like we were on the same wavelength with that. And then, you I, I don't remember where i saw it but like you ranked this above everything everywhere and i was like holy shit yeah okay <laughs> that's that's huge that's big you know like i don't know what movie i'd have to see to like to outrank that so i unfortunately went into the movie like rather than just like taking it in for what it is i was just sitting there kind of critically watching it like okay so at mm-hmm. one point in this is ethan like this is better than everything everywhere which isn't fair. And I totally get that, but I was doing that to myself. I was like, okay, so when something's got to happen here, you know, like, and that's just not that movie. It's not like no. nothing, nothing happens, but in the best way possible. Um, so that was my problem. Like once it wrapped up, I was like, okay, like, I know that was well done. I'm still kind of confused about why this got ranked above it, whatever. Sure. Fast forward to today, which is the day after I watched it. 
And I'm just like literally getting teary eyed at my desk thinking about it. Like it's a fucking beautiful movie. We won. Man. We did it. Like it's so good. Like once I could like step back from like trying mm-hmm. to see it through your eyes or someone else's eyes and just like for what it is. Like as a child of divorce who like saw my dad on vacation, like that's mm-hmm. like a majority of the time we spent together. It was like either on the weekends or in the summer, we'd go on a trip. So it was like fun dad, you know what I mean? Versus mm-hmm. like being at home with mom kind of thing. So I, I related so much to this. Like we'd go to the hotel and the first thing I'd want to do is like, I got to go find the arcade. Cause like the back, you know, that's what they had back then, like in the nineties and shit. It's like the, yeah, these man. hotels, like in Vegas, like, I mean, they still do, but like, uh, that's what I would want to go do. So I'm watching this and I was like, so yeah, looking back on it, thinking about it today, I was like, fuck man, that was like, it's such a good movie. It was such a touching movie. Um, you know, I watched it with my partner, Ashley, and we talked about it afterwards. It's just interesting, even throughout the movie, um, to have like a different interpretation on what is going mm-hmm. on there, you know, with the, the father, you know, I, for a while was like, Oh, is does, does he have like a, a terminal disease, like cancer? And he knows this is the last trip he's going to have with her. So that's why he's emotional. And she, you know, read it more of just like the mental illness, depression stuff, which I think yep. is probably the more accurate read. But um, I was just like, you know, I think when he took a phone call or something, I was like, Oh, maybe he just got bad news or whatever, you know? Um, but I think the, the straight up, depression is definitely like more the the correct read on it but yeah i mean it was just like it's it's great and then i obviously listening to you guys talk about it like yeah it's not a movie where really anything happens at all but that's not what it's about you know it's about reflecting right. on the time together and you know like the the flashing in the club scene like that is kind of confusing the entire movie and then like yeah. it's the last fucking shot ties it together it's like god damn man they yeah. pulled that off like that was really good you know yeah. like so yeah, I don't know. Like, again, like, I, this is all on me, but I just went in there. It's like, man, why does Ethan like this better? I got to find out why this is better. You know what I mean? And I just, I didn't just go. I feel like I would have been crying next to you seeing mm. it for the first time, you know, just for sure. what it was. Cause I was like, oh, like, I, I mean, obviously I wasn't a, a young girl, but I was a young boy, like in these very similar situations. Mm-hmm. And so I was like relating to a lot of this, like, you know, my, my father growing up was undiagnosed bipolar. Like there's just all this kind of mm-hmm. stuff that I was like seeing in this movie. I'm like, Holy shit, this is like it's kind of intense to, to watch. So yeah, as I thought about it the day after being today, I was like, man, that really got me more than I thought. I just needed to like not look at it from that lens. So honestly, I'm very yeah. excited to watch it for a second time now that nice. I know what it is, you know, and what to expect and just like take it in for what, what they were trying to get across. So I, I was super into it last night. I would have had a different review. So I'm glad I had 24 hours to sit, sit with it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Nice. Okay. I'm glad you had 24 hours to sit with it. I'm, gr- I'm, I'm very grateful for that. I, I think it's really, I think you touched on a really important thing that like this movie is so like, um, kind of tender and like it, it seeps into you. It doesn't yeah. hit you all at once necessarily. So this was my third time watching it. And I feel like I cried more this time than I did the first or the second time. And I, I watched it with my, my partner as well. Molly watched it and we had a conversation about it afterwards. And I think it's really fascinating the perspective that you come into the movie as being the child. I come into the perspective of I'm the, I'm the dad because I do have two daughters. And yeah. so Paul Mescal's performance in this is absolutely obliterating to me of like every single second that passes he's conscious on some level that he's never getting her childhood back the way that he knew it. And he's never being able to, to have that same relationship that he did at one point have with her. And especially in that final scene, I know Callum and I talked about it on the pod, but like, 
I'm never going to listen to Under Pressure in the same way oh my God. in my entire life ever again. And the mix and in the is, movie where they like take out the music and it's just the vocals there at the very end. Oh. Oh my God. Listening to Freddie Mercury's voice and nothing else. Like, oh, they are really hitting at home, but really well, you know? Yeah. Uh, It's absolutely incredible. Um, Okay. I'm really glad that you watched it. Um, 100% respectable and understandable that it's not above everything everywhere. I think that's personally, I think that's kind of a hot take. I don't think a lot of people are going to be doing Mm -hmm. that. I would say at this moment in time, um, my, my top three of 2022 is after Sunday number one. And actually, Tar at number two, and then oh, Everything nice. Everywhere at number three. Um, I'm very excited to rewatch Everything Everywhere. You and I will be uh, performing a rewatch soon. We won't mm-hmm. talk any details, but we will um, be rewatching that uh, again. So I'm excited to see how that shakes out. Um, and yeah, this this movie is excellent. So um, you know, word to the listener: A24, sign up for their emailing list. Go to their website. Um become an, an AAA24 member like it's 5 bucks a month you get yeah. half off these screening room tickets and I'm a huge fan of the screening room. We've both partaken in the screening room previously yeah. on other films. Um and it's great. It's it's awesome. Like you can't really see this movie anywhere else right now and it's it's kind of out of theaters and there's a very slim release at that. So mm-hmm. and it's not in physical form yet. Um so this was excellent. Uh okay, I'm really glad that you finally watched it. We can <laughs> close that chapter of our of our <laughs> of our unresolved friendship now yeah. that we can, now that we've talked about this um we have a couple more things to talk about before the souvenir briefly we got another official trailer for the whale this yeah, is actually an official trailer this is like two minutes long we get more uh understanding of what is going on and more performance from everybody in the film we see sadie sink actually like say words mm-hmm. um and we get an idea of what is going on um, gut-wrenching scenes in the trailer, really pretty heartbreaking. We're going to be covering it on the pod here next week when it does release. Where are your excitement levels? How do you feel? How do you feel about this trailer? How do you feel about the movie? Because it's starting to get a little divisive. People were really high on it at first, and now, now that more people are seeing it, I'm seeing that more people are kind of split on this film. Mm. Uh, I mean, I'm still really excited about it. I think, you know, among everything, it's just like, my desire to see Brendan Fraser on the big screen yes. again. hundred percent. Um, that's what I'm really excited about. Like, I, I feel like I could take into context, you know, people are talking about with like the fat phobia, um, all that kind of stuff. Like, yeah. and I, and I get that, but I also feel like, uh, he's the kind of person that wouldn't take on a project with any sort of mal intent behind yep. it. You know, I think he, you know, from what I understand, he did a lot of, you know, kind of research and stuff like how, how people that are, morbidly obese like you know live all that kind of stuff so i feel like it was done with respect um i enjoy aronofsky i think you know i i feel on the outs of society when i say that i think mother is fantastic you know like i i really (laughs) i really enjoy his movies quite a bit so um i am curious to see how this one goes because i don't think he's ever like adapted I don't know if he's adapted much of anything, obviously Noah from the Bible, but uh, (laughs) I don't know the, yeah, especially this play, which is a whole different kind of medium, you know, where you're kind of tied down to 
um, a few locations for the most part. And it's, it can be done really well. Like if you've seen 12 angry men or Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross, like mm-hmm, mm-hmm. plays can get adapted into movies and be fantastic. Um, and I think Aronofsky obviously has it in him, but I'm just curious to see what this is like, but mainly I'm just here for Brendan and like his, his return. Um, I'm hoping he gets some recognition. I'm, I was kind of surprised to some extent to see that the Globes nominated him given their history. Yeah. So I'm curious to see how that's going to play out. Um, and then, yeah, hopefully if this performance is everything people are saying it is, it'll be cool to see him nominated for an Oscar. It'll be really interesting as well. Um, and talking Glo- Golden Globes, they absolutely um, made some some very bad nominations when it came to directors and other things yeah. um, that they just didn't didn't fulfill. No women directors. In a, in a in a year of of Sarah Polly directing women talking like what yeah. what are we doing? Um, here's the thing with Darren Aronofsky and and I know we've talked about this a couple times. I'm literally I'm like split. I'm like fifty fifty on Aronofsky films. Requiem for a Dream is iconic. We all know that it's it's very important to kind of his filmography. Um, I'm pro the wrestler. I think the wrestler is acts actually quite good. Yeah. Um, and I love Mickey Rourke in it. I'm very pro on Black Swan. Love yeah. that film. I think Natalie Portman's great. She was nommed for it, which is huge. So again, Aronofsky knows how to get people nominated and he obviously knows how to campaign that um, well. Um, mm-hmm. I didn't see Noah and here's my little, my, my little short story on Noah way back in the day. So 20, it came out in 2014. So back in 2014, I called into a radio station back when, I, I don't know if, this still, if you'd still do this stuff, but I, they were like playing on the radio and they're like, yo, if you want to win tickets to a movie, you got to call like be caller number like eight or whatever. And I called in and I was the caller and they oh, were nice. like, listen, you, you have to say what, like our slogan or whatever it is. Oh. Right. Like, you know, and I literally, and so this was 20, yeah, 2014. So this was nine years ago. So I was like, I was like a little man boy mm. and I was super not confident. And I would like, I could not say it for the life yeah. of me. Like I kept fucking it up over the phone and they were like, no, no, no. You, you got to see because they got to play it on air. They're yeah, like, you, yeah. you got to say this right. You got to get this right. Finally, I said like something passable and I like, cool kind of like coming down to our HQ, pick up your movie tickets, whatever. I went down, I picked them. They were like physical movie tickets and they had a big like poster on the movie tickets. They were big for Noah. And I, I never saw the movie. Never oh, really? went to go see it. I just absolutely spaced and, and I had free tickets and I just didn't do it. Uh, That's so I don't, I don't know if, it, if, if I was subconsciously like Aronofsky is not the guy. So yeah, I don't, yeah. I don't know. Maybe, maybe that was it. Um, mother, I am, I'm very anti-mother. And then the, and then the whale, we'll, we'll see what happens with the whale. I love the trailer. I think it's great. And I think it was really smart of them to put in that last 10 seconds of, of oh, Fraser actually crying, actually losing it, actually demonstrating why you want to go see this movie is because you want to see him back in action. Yeah. Um, I don't know if you've watched his actors on actors with Adam Sandler. Oh, yeah. Um, my God incredible stuff just a just an a1 first rate kind of a guy really excited to see him campaign and it, it if a24 is in a is in a pickle here because if they didn't have everything everywhere this year they would throw it all behind the whale which oh, yeah. i think is a very interesting situation in terms of their of their awards bids because everything everywhere is going to kind of capture more a more a full round of nominations mm-hmm. while this is much more specific in terms of of possibly adapted or Brendan Fraser, yeah. So I'm curious how they campaign him. Um, I'm really interested. Either way, I'm excited. We're gonna cover it on the pod. We're we're gonna be on it, and I can't wait because we've been waiting for this movie forever. It's yeah. It feels like it's been announced for a super long time. Um. Yep. So yeah, I'm super. I'm very very excited. Um. Speaking of the actors on actors, 
Yeah, that line that he says, like, there are no underdogs, just champions who oh. haven't been recognized or whatever oh, it is. Like, so oh, good. God, dude, like, dude. that's like, you say that to yourself in the mirror every morning. He's like, yeah, dude. you're right. There are no underdogs. Like, dude, he just seems like ah. such a genuine guy. I'm, I'm yeah. excited for him. He gets it. He he understands the assignment. Uh, last order of business. We got an official poster for Ari Aster's ne- next film. This was a big deal yeah. um, because it is now titled Bo is Afraid. So the poster looks like a child. I would assume his name is Bo. Um, that's not really given. And it's got Joaquin Phoenix's name fucking plastered. Really, really <laughs> It looks big. like that's the name of the movie. <laughs> it, does, it looks like the title of the film. And then really small in the left-hand corner, it says Bo is Afraid. Name of the movie used to be Disappointment Boulevard. Give me your take. Better now or worse? No, I feel like I live on Disappointment Boulevard now. This Fuck new title. Yeah, we do. This Bet. is like, <laughs> like, what is this title? Especially from someone who, like, my love for Midsommar is no surprise on this pod. Yeah. Like, I love Hereditary. I love Midsommar. There's some silly part of me. It's like, yeah, I want Ari Asters to do one name, titles, you know, whatever. Um, sure. I was like, okay, Disappointment Boulevard, I, I can get down with that. But this one to me is just like Bo is afraid. Like that just it's bad. It's, it's bad like title. They, it feels like they reversed the working title and what the actual title is. Yes, you know what I mean. That's kind of what yeah. it feels like. Where it's like, what was what was Star Wars? Was it like Blue Harvest or something? Is what the working title was, and there was actually like oh, Star Wars. Star like Wars. it needs to it needs to be the other way around. You know, like this needs to be called Disappointment Boulevard. But I don't know. Like obviously, I'm I'm excited to see what happens here. We're both going to be here for it. I think in some of the few sneak peeks like you know paparazzi pictures walking mm-hmm. phoenix is in these like same pjs but as like an older disgruntled guy so i'm curious like what kind mm. of role these pjs play because it sounds like he's like interesting in these so i don't know um and then ari aster is just ari aster man i'm, I'm ready for <laughs> he's it he's back yeah uh yeah i i'm with you on that one disappointment boulevard far better film name for just yeah. it, it immeasurably better than Bo is afraid. I hate to break it to, to Ari Aster in A24. <laughs> they fucked us, that one know. up. <laughs> we are the smart ones. Come on. Um, so I think it's a bad name change. Word on the street is from people that have, have screened it or have had, you know, um, kind of working um, screeners, I guess, as, yeah. as they go, as they're working on the film. Uh, it is Ari Aster's most fucked up film to date. Apparently it is just unhinged, unreal, um, Ari Aster's in his bag. So your your day is coming, Ben. We Dude, are here. Catholic we are going to celebrate. <laughs> That's crazy to me that he's going to be able to top Tony Collette sawing her own head off with a piano Unbelievable. wire. Unbelievable. Like, oh, fuck. I forgot crazy. about that scene, dude. Oh, my God. <laughs> that is nuts to me. I, I mean, also... Wow. Th- isn't the runtime right now like three hours and there's like dude it's he says like there's like a four a hour yeah yeah and he has like a four or five hour cut that he could dude, put out this is the thing a24 puts out director's cut on yeah. their on their shop all the time so give us give us the director's cut we're living in the era of director's cuts honestly because baz lerman is out here and he's like yo we could have made a seven hour elvis movie and everybody's like let's see it i want the seven hour give elvis it movie. to us Austin oh, Butler, let's go let's go uh okay a24 big things lots of things in the news very exciting stuff um that was fun let's talk about the souvenir this is the movie of the week um tilda swinton and her real life daughter are in this movie which i think is really fascinating i just got done watching it you watched it this afternoon this is both of our first times seeing this movie um i i know i knew essentially nothing about it i knew that it's the souvenir the souvenir part two and then the eternal daughter just came out this year and that was um, Amanda's fifth 
best movie of the year on the big picture. And I was like, yo, that might be pretty good. And yeah. so this is the first to that entry. I want to know what you thought of the souvenir, Ben. Uh, Okay. Let's start out with <laughs> Honor Sweet and Burn. Like she does such a good job. She's Very fantastic. Good. Yes. Um, I think this is really kind of her first definitely leading role. Uh, she only has one other credit before this with a movie called I Am Love, um, which Tilda Swinton also is in, um, directed by Luca Guadagnino. Whoa. So um, I haven't seen that. I don't know how huge that role is, but I feel like this is definitely her first like leading role. And I think she did a, a really good job. I think, I think this movie is intentionally very slow. Like it mm-hmm. is, it is really slow but like um i don't know overall i I had a good time with it i think it was good um i think it just definitely felt like a little bit of uh a year in the life of kind of thing like Mm -hmm. i don't know like there aren't necessarily huge things that happen you know it felt very confined to like this apartment for the most part um then occasionally on like the the sets for her film but I think the acting was really good. I'm a big fan of Richard Iwadi, so I was happy to see him on there for a little bit. Uh, but yeah, it's like a very familiar vibe of just like being in your 20s and like going to someone's house and like hanging out there, you know, like it kind of mm-hmm. begins with that. I was like, oh yeah, this looks very familiar, just, um, you know, going to hang out. And then as the relationship kind of develops and just seeing what she's putting up with with this guy and, I don't know. I know we're going to go over the scenes later on, but there's definitely like a moment in this movie where things switch for Mm -hmm. me anyway. I was like, Oh shit. Okay. (laughs) Like, and they also switch for the character, you know, they also switch um, for Julie. So I don't know. I I, I thought it was good. I'm curious to see where they go knowing this is like kind of part of a trilogy, you know, there's Mm -hmm. definitely a souvenir part two and then, you know, eternal daughter. So um, I, I, I hope we'll cover the next one because I kind of want to see where it goes. Um, but I don't know. I, I don't, I'm, it was an interesting thing to think about this being the vote by everybody for the underrated pick. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I was like, okay, cool. Because there, there's so many options. Um, and yeah, I don't know what, like, what, what are your, what were your thoughts on this? Yeah, I, I agree. I think it's really interesting because when I was watching it, I was like, oh, th- this is what everybody voted on. I think this is interesting because I remember looking on Rotten Tomatoes. I was like half an hour into the movie and I, I, I gotta be honest with you. I was like not vibing with it. I was mm-hmm. like, I, I don't know. I don't know if this is for me. I've heard good things. Like I, I, I know John Hogg is, is a very good director. I know that this is supposed to be a great movie, but I'm just like not feeling it. Yeah. And I, so I looked on Rotten Tomatoes. It's like an 87, 88 or something certified fresh by critics. It's like, okay, okay. cool. I, I get that. I can understand that. Very well shot. Very technically sound. Um, yeah. Very slow burn on purpose. Very meticulous. Very tender. Um, very unassuming, and then you look at the audience score; it's like thirty-two percent, and it's like oh, okay, wow. that that checks out. That really yeah. checks out because like this does not seem like an audience's movie. This does seem kind of like a critics' film. Uh, and I know it did premiere at Sundance, and people were pretty high on it when it did come out at Sundance. Um, I agree with you that I, I think Honor Swinton Burn is really good in this movie. I I am curious, and I wanted to know so. As I watch the movie, more things inevitably start to happen. We start to get a little deeper, a little bit more intense. Um, but I think even when I, I, so I had to stop at 30 minutes and, and go about my day, go back to work and, and watch my kids. And then I was able to, to wrap it up the back 90 minutes um, tonight, just before we recorded. And I found myself really 
kind of getting more entranced the the more the movie went on. Okay. And I, re- I really kind of pictured myself losing interest and I did not do that. And I, I don't know if that's because I, I had a double shot of espresso at 7 p.m. or <laughs> or if I was genuinely interested in the film. Um, but I'm curious, as the movie went along, did you find yourself more engaged? Did you enjoy it more as it went as it progressed or did you just kind of like remain constant of of your feelings no it definitely got more interesting as it went along like obviously this is as i said at the beginning this is a spoiler pod so if you haven't seen yep. it you know just fair warning to you but obviously <laughs> suck, like suck. yeah yeah but obviously the dinner scene when the guy's like oh yeah he's a heroin addict you know and she's like yes Wait, let's what? talk about you it. know <laughs> like that's that's when it's like oh okay oh shit now this is like this is interesting because this guy kind of has like a second life, you know, a secret mm-hmm. identity kind of thing. Because he comes across, you know, it's very like pompous, like working for the I forget what department, you know, but foreign affairs or something. Yeah, foreign affairs. I think. you know, and just like oh, I'm super smart and intelligent, whatever. But then you know, once that happens, you kind of pick up on the fact that he's always asking for ten quid as he leaves. Yes. You know, he's yes. just like. Man, for a guy who like comes like like presents himself a certain way, like it doesn't really it doesn't necessarily batch up. And hearing, you know, like again, like Richard Iwadi when he's like, I'm curious how this thing, like how your relationship, I think you said tessellates or something like that. Yes. You know, um, which I had to look up that word. Like, what the fuck does that mean? But um Educate cool. me, Ben. What does it mean? Because I didn't look it up. <laughs> I, I guess it's used like in a pattern where there could be like a, a pattern that could kind of like repeat itself. Um, so like, it's an, I guess like maybe you see it a lot, like in tiles, you know, and then you can like stack them around, but it's like a a pattern that connects with no gap. So that's the other definition is basically like when things come together without any sort of gap in between them or any space in between them. So that's, I think what he's saying is like, there doesn't seem like you guys seem to be kind of glued together, but I have no idea how you guys belong together given that he's a heroin (laughs) addict. So, um, I got to figure out how to start dropping tessellate in my, (laughs) you got to work that into the vocab, you know? Um, so I guess like you and I, we're, we're, our relationship is now, uh, probably I can use it right. But now that I've seen after son, our, our relationship, uh, oh, is yeah. a tessellate relationship. Absolutely. Um, we tessellate. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so yeah, I definitely picked up from that moment on mm-hmm. and I, you know, you kind of keep your eyes on that character a little bit more now to kind of pick up on what those things are. And it obviously like his physical behavior even ramps up as the movie goes on so you yes. can't help but understand that but i could totally see like for, I, I honestly would have understood if you were like dude i'm half an hour in i don't know if i can finish this <laughs> i like, don't know if we're doing this i get it man like it's yeah. like nothing's happening yet. yeah you know like yeah. nothing's going on and it's very much that so i think that's why i'm so curious too to like pick up with part two because i'm hoping you know yeah. it, it it picks up where we left at part one which is like with some momentum Yes, and I believe that part two has a far better audience score. So I'm genuinely okay. curious. Have you watched a trailer for part two? Do you know anything about part two? Do you even know the logline? Like, do you know nope, what it's? I don't know anything okay. about it. I know nothing about it. What do you think is going to happen? And this is hysterical for people that have seen part two or know of part two. This is a great exercise for us who are just oblivious to what part two entails. What do you? What do you think? Like what you mentioned? We have momentum. She walks out of that kind of airline hangar. And essentially, it's told to us that her world has opened up a bit. She she feels like she is kind of free, a little more unleashed. What yeah. do you think's gonna? What, where do you think we're going, part two? I don't know. Does she leave to like? I mean, we. I don't. I don't know if we're ever clear if she's like pursuing an undergraduate or like a master's in film yeah. or something like that. But it's like 
was that like signifying that she's done with that, you know, now you know, that, that he's not there anymore. It's like, are we going on to like her going somewhere else now in a pursuit of yeah. like a master's, but still like kind of then writing her story. Cause that's what everyone keeps telling her the whole movie is just like, write what you know, you know, that's what I yeah, was told too. Right like, from I got your a, experience. Yeah, exactly. Like I got a film degree and like, that's the first thing I told when I, when I was in a screenwriting class, like just write what you know, that's going to be the easiest thing to do. Um, and it's like, okay, yeah, that makes sense. I know my story. So that's kind of what you do. And it was interesting to hear that in this movie where it's like, why are you writing out this like Tony dude? Like you should, you know, focus Mm -hmm. on your thing. So maybe that's what happens. Maybe kind of shifts more into that. I don't know. I'm curious, but, um, I say let's, let's lock it in for 2023 at some point. Let's check out part two. That, yeah, we'll definitely do souvenir part two. I am curious because we get, get that final monologue from one of the students that's being filmed. I'm curious if this kind of world and this idea of filmmaking has in some way been soured by Antony and by the relationship and and that kind of toxicity that she's encountered. I wonder if she cannot separate those two things. So Mm -hmm. I wonder if she steps out and kind of goes in a different direction because of that. Um, And, and yeah, I guess, I guess we'll see what happens to her. Um, Let's do true cinema moments because we're already, we're kind of talking into them. This was this, you mentioned it, it's kind of it's not really a, a a movie about moments. It's it's an overarching like year in the life. Like uh, things just just happen. There's not necessarily yeah. a lot of the things we cover on the spot. We're like when this person died, or like you know at the end of Killing of a Sacred Deer when they all get shot. Like these crazy yeah. moments that you can easily define. He skates off the top of the school roof. Like there's like moments, <laughs> exactly. the things that happen. Yeah, exactly. This is a little bit more difficult. So we'll just kind of go through this and 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 see where we land on all of these. I did want to put the first conversation with Antony in here um, because this is obviously their first interaction. He does pay for lunch, which I think is very interesting. Mm-hmm. Kind of ropes her into this to this world, believing that she might have money uh, or, or he might have money. And he really, he pushes back on her and, and really challenges her in her filmmaking ideas. I know I specifically wrote down that he says, we don't just want to see a life lived out in film, which I think is very funny, very meta. Yeah. I think this yeah. movie is exceptionally meta when it comes to film and how you tell stories, because that's literally what we are watching. Um, any any thoughts, feelings on this first interaction between uh, her and Anthony? It was just so interesting because we don't have any context for who she's talking to. So I think like I right. went into it thinking she was talking to like either a professor or like mm-hmm. professor's assistant, like kind of getting critique on her film, on her script. And then you find out like, no, he's just some dude who's like offering his <laughs> like Brando. man's opinion, you know, and it's like, <laughs> well, what makes them more interesting to me? She's like, no, they're not, they're not more interesting. They're just like, you know, are they then, even real? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like bullshit. Yeah. I was like, what is going on here? And then they find out like, oh no, I just work for the foreign affairs office. I'm like, oh, this is just some guy. Like, that's, <laughs> that was so yeah. weird to me. It caught me off guard. Yeah, agreed. I, I and I think that's important to the movie. I believe that is important because I think it it sets up an a really interesting dynamic between them of yeah. of her kind of like fast falling for someone like this and her kind of coming of age story in that regard of of really becoming intertwined quite quickly into a relationship that she doesn't really know a lot about. Um I wanted to put this this next one on here because I feel like this is kind of the the first moment that we see their relationship kind of take to the next level. Antony goes to Paris, brings her back some uh, very fancy clothes, and then she, you know, gives him a BJ, and they get get to town, and they are now engulfed in this physical cycle 
of yeah. of what is to come, and this is kind of the first moment for that. Did you see this coming? Did you know that this is where the relationship had to go, um, like this early in the movie? No, not necessarily. I didn't know exactly where this was going to go. Um, you know, there's a scene a little bit before that where they kind of joke about her taking up over half the space of the bed. And he like kind of builds yeah. the wall, like with the stuffed animals and stuff. And, and even then I was like, is this a romantic thing? Like I know they're in a bed together, but I still can't <laughs> tell like where this is going exactly. So then, yeah, he brings back that, you know, lingerie from Paris and everything obviously just like really escalates. I'm like, okay, this is what's happening. But it kind of felt like as we get to know the character, it's like, um, you know, to kind of make the correlation with the heroin use, it's like give them the first bit for free and then they get hooked and then they'll like start paying for it kind of thing. So he's like, I'll pay for our meal. I'll give you gifts. Like I'll get her emotionally attached to me because then she can financially support me later, you know, yeah. when, she, when she's like hooked, so to speak. So uh, it kind of felt very obviously like manipulative and stuff. Like maybe it was sincere. I don't know, but that was my read on it. Yeah. I, I am curious and I'm, I'm kind of pondering this and trying to think about this myself. What, what is necessarily the single draw that Julie sees in Antony, right? Like what draws her to that? I, I am curious if you have anything to add, but I think really naturally it's that kind of, you, you mentioned that like kind of um, cocaine addiction, like heroin addiction style of like, I, I give you just a little bit of what you need from time mm-hmm. to time and you know what that tastes like. And then you just keep coming back from it. So he, he challenges her and, and, pushes her to think more, you know, whether, whether it be smarter or not in different ways about what she's doing in the films that she's making and how she's experiencing her life yeah. and then pra- praises her very seldomly. Um, but she adores that she lives for that. And I yeah. think that is kind of that one key thing that just keeps her in this cycle. She just wants that approval from him continually. Did you see anything else in that relationship that kind of kept her coming back? No, I mean, I was kind of confused by that, especially towards the end. I was like, why does she keep letting him yeah. come back? You know, yeah. we have, I'm sure we'll talk about it later, but like that, that, you know, kind of meeting up at the restaurant, whatever, that there was a point when, you know, she kicks him out. I'm like, okay, good. That's it. You know, like she yeah. even brings her friends back over. I'm like, okay, she didn't like this at the time at the beginning of the movie, you know, it was kind of draining. It's understandable, but now she's experienced something worse. And so she's happy just to have this back, you know? Um, yeah. And so then the fact that, that she brought him back in again, I was like, okay, there's, I don't know what the draw is here at all. So yeah, yeah. I don't know. It's that familiarity too. Like she yeah. knows that relationship. She knows him and she knows how to operate with him, um, whether it be good or bad. So yeah. I, I think that's part of it. Um, lending Anthony money that to me was the first sign. I was like, okay, hey, this guy's up to no good. This guy's getting mm. up to some dirty business. Cause he's, Cause he initially asked for like six bucks and then he's like, you know what? Just make it 10 to be safe. And I was like, dude, can yeah. we like, really? And I, and I, I did feel like Julie was being a little, um, like non self-aware, a little immature about what his intentions might be and what he might be after. Um, but again, she could have just been kind of like, you know, in lost in this state of, of illusion of, of love or lust mm-hmm. for him. Um, but I, th- I think that's an interesting tell tell sign in the beginning. Um, the film dinner conversation. This is what you mentioned. I I like it for two reasons. Number one, this is the big meta scene of the movie of like, there are no rules in filmmaking. You you write about what you know about and you can do anything you want. And people who go to film school think that they 
have it all figured out and that they need to do things a certain way, but in reality, you don't. So I, I, I like that meta text quite a lot. And then this is when we find out that Antony is a habitual heroin user and she's just absolutely not tracking. It, I, I want to know from your perspective, is she not tracking because she literally doesn't understand what he's saying? Or is she choosing to like shut off at that moment and just say, like, I don't understand what you're talking about while she's trying to process in her own mind? I, I honestly think she's just like, I guess, flabbergasted for like a lack of a yeah. better word. I think she's just like, she's got hit with a ton of bricks. Like, wait, what? You know, like this what? guy I'm sharing my house with, like he's a, like she had no signs that that was a thing that was happening. And again, the Iwadi character talks about it so flippantly and just like yeah. with such ease that I don't think he has any idea that she doesn't know. It's like, well, yeah, obviously, you know, like you, he's a heroin user. You don't even do drugs, you know, like that's so crazy. Yeah. How do you guys like connect together? And just continues to talk about it, not picking up at all on her like body language of like, I don't wait, what are you saying? Cause <laughs> I, uh, so I think it was just really just kind of like a didn't know. I can't compute kind of like, you know, brain stopped working kind of thing. Just like, mm -hmm. hold on. I didn't, I didn't process that. That's kind of how I read it. Yeah, absolutely. We then kind of get this kind of quick succession of, of three things that are really all intertwined. Number one, we get what seems to be a robbery in her house. All of her yeah. things are gone. Her, her equipment is gone. Um, Anthony is there. He's, he's also crying, calling the cops. Like it seems like a genuine kind of heartbreaking moment for both of them living together. Then we dive right into this kind of half sex scene. We know that they are are very much kind of sensually engaged with one another. Um, and and they they go back to that physical necessity for one another. And then immediately after that, we take a hard cut to them arguing about him stealing her things and lying about it. So he did yeah. it to fuel what I what I would take to fuel his heroin addiction and. Then in this scene, which really is smart, is well done, is very important narratively, drove me up a fucking wall, is that she thinks that she's the problem. She's like, I'm so sorry. There are things you just shouldn't tell me. I understand that now, and it's okay, and I'm so sorry. And I was like, Julie, you deserve so much better than this yeah, baby. Yeah, yeah. Come on. And it was driving me crazy. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, he's just like this. It, it was a scene of gaslighting. It's like what we watched. 100%. You know? Yeah, it was like oh, I had to do it. Like I, we wouldn't be here right now if I hadn't done. It was this, an emergency whatever. situation. Oh, yeah, exactly. Fuck out of here. And like, I mean, if you you know pay attention to and that when that scene happens, like right after the robbery, he's like, "I'll call the cops." And then he like he goes off screen, yeah. picks up the phone receiver, then just like slams it down four seconds later and just yells "fuck." So it's like he didn't call the cops because uh, he obviously knew what he did. You know, but he tells her, like, I'll take care of it. Don't worry. And then, like, kind of goes through the motion, but doesn't actually do anything. And mm -hmm. then just, like, yeah, gets her emotions riled up of, like, oh, fuck, I wish I could have done something, like, whatever. And, like, man, that was a great way to, like, skirt around that, you know, because then yeah, like, she's not it. thinking about, like, hey, you didn't talk to the cops, you know. It's just, like, more yeah. focused on what's happening there. And then, yeah, to bring it up later and then just totally gaslight her into being, like, I had to do it. I had to, like, sell your stuff. I'm, like, dude, this is that again like it, there's just so many scenes not not to that extent but there's just other scenes just like this should have been it <laughs> like this yeah, should have been like this should have been the moment yeah nope we're done you know and then it's just <laughs> right. like oh no next scene we're on the way to berlin we're on the train together <laughs> you know it's like holy shit what yeah absolutely just wild stuff and there were multiple times out loud where i was like this guy's such an asshole this guy is mm -hmm. so he's the worst he's so terrible uh comes home to a random man i wanted to put this one in here because 
I I thought this again a, a moment where it's like okay this is it we're 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 pretty much done um I'm coming home to a random apparent heroin user in my home that is friends with Anthony and just out of nowhere and I do think that Julie's response and and um Honor Swinton Byrne as the actress is really really good in this moment she mm-hmm. escalates so quickly but it's under so many layers um that she's trying to feel everything all at once and hide how how she really wants to deal with the situation but she can't help to explode on some level that is yeah. a lot for her um as her as her person and i at this moment i was like okay we got to we got to make some changes anthony's mm-hmm. got to get out of this house this has got to be it yeah uh yeah what it's a really interesting emotional scene just in that panic of like oh there's a drug either a user on my stairs yeah. right now and getting him to finally leave and then like shortly after a kind of a funny moment where he knocks he's like i forgot my coat it was played with a little bit of levity which was kind of cool but um yeah i think isn't that the first time though when she's like get out like you have to leave now like i think yep. i think right after that is when she says that to him i think so. so so that's when the first line is drawn it's like I can't have strangers in my house that I don't know about, you know, like you can't be opening this up for these people. So yeah, it was a great scene. Yeah. And, and then obviously breaks her heart to tell him to get out and, yeah. and to leave. And um, that's a really emotional scene. And I think that's where um, hog is, is so technically proficient and sound in identifying how she kind of elevates those emotions in each character um, through kind of those closing doors of the elevator and the double doors of the elevator, I think is very yeah. important. Um, lots of good stuff in there. A couple more. Anthony has withdrawals in her house. This dude, this was in, this is probably like the most intense the movie gets, I think in terms of like physical kind of like visual styling. Mm-hmm. And Julie is just fucking decimated in the corner. I'm going to tell you right now, this is my true cinema moment. Cause then I, yeah. I, at this moment I was like, Oh my God. Like, I, I think it clicked for me. I was like, this is exceptionally toxic and they both adore each other and they don't want what's, they, there's just like so many complex layers to it. Yeah. And this was a great moment for me. Yeah. Yeah. I agree hundred percent. I don't think like that makes complete sense for us to be your pick. Like such a powerful scene. Definitely. You know, this is the kind of stuff that you wouldn't have predicted happening an hour late or hour earlier right, when you're watching exactly. this movie, you're like, what is going like, this is so slow. And then, you know, fast forward to this, like, Oh shit. Okay. We're going to end up here at some point. Like, all right, this might be slow burn, but I'm, I'm here to get there and it totally pays yep. off. Yeah. And then, um, the, the, the last thing that I wanted to mention here, um, actually, I guess there's, there's two more things. Julie's mom, Tilda Swinton offers to stay up and, and kind of look out for Anthony while she goes to bed, which I think is very important for her character in, continually caring for Julie um, through this heartbreak, through the constant yeah. calls from, from Barbara, which we assume, I guess, is Anthony's mom. I would, I would assume yeah. um, kind of on the other end of the line, like always calling and asking about Anthony and trying to figure out like where he is and is he safe and all of these things. And then the worst happened um, literally. And I, and I think that's really smart screenwriting to, for, for um, Julie's mom to just say, it's what we feared. It's the worst. And and yeah. we know what that means. We know what we've devolved to. Um, did you think that he was going to die? I, Cause I did not, I did not see 
I thought I thought that we were gonna like take a hard cut at some point at a very pivotal moment in their relationship and like a, a rock bottom situation. Yeah. And that's where part two would have gone. Obviously not the case. And, and Anthony's a very one movie character. Yeah, without a doubt. I yeah, I don't know that I knew this was going to happen in this movie. Like you said, I felt like you know, it was gonna happen at some point, it felt inevitable, but it did kind of feel like it wouldn't happen here. I thought part two was going to be yeah. more about like the second half of this relationship, whatever. So uh, no, I didn't realize it was going to happen here, but you know, again, that's what I think what makes part two even more interesting now. <laughs> it's like, where yeah. do we go from here? This is yeah. really good. But that line delivery from Tilda of just like the worst, you know, just like, Oh man, that's nope. such a um, complete way to, to convey this yeah. um, with the shortest amount of words for sure. Yeah, because it is so much more impactful than him dying. Like, it literally, yeah. like, it is the worst for every single person involved in this situation. So, it really is the worst, which which I think is, is really important. I said my true cinema moment. What are you going with, Ben? Uh, I mean, mine's the, the dinner conversation, you know, yep. when she finds out that he's a heroin user. Like, it's just, for me, it's the one-two punch again of Richard Iwadi, And then also just, like, seeing the character of Julie, like, trying to process this information. Yeah. Um, in real time you know while the conversation continues to go on so that's mine yeah i think that's a that's a good one we've got just one a1 act this week we're doing tilda swinton she's not in this movie a ton um but she is the person in this movie with probably the biggest cv that we can cover the most amount of things for yeah. um and she's a big deal so we're gonna we're gonna talk about tilda swinton we have got vanilla sky which is crazy i don't remember her being in vanilla sky and i love that movie do you I don't know who, what character does she play. Do I haven't remember? watched that in a while, so I don't remember Dude, which character. She that movie is. fucking bangs. If people are looking for a good movie, go watch Vanilla Sky. It's yeah. apparently it's very divisive. It is based off of a of a of Spanish film, so it's a, technically a remake, but it's very good. It's excellent Tom Cruise business. Um, yeah, Michael it's a, Clayton. It's a great movie. Yeah, it's a great movie. Uh, Michael Clayton. Burn after reading. The Curious Case of Benjamin Button. We need to talk about Kevin. Moonrise Kingdom. Snowpiercer. The Grand Budapest Hotel. Hail Caesar, Doctor Strange, Okja. She is in Uncut Gems. She is the voice of the auction house owner on the phone. Oh, that is worth mentioning. Um, uncredited, I believe, but her IMDb has it. Um, so that's interesting. Um, the French Dispatch, Memoria, 3,000 Years of Longing, The Souvenir Part 2, obviously The Souvenir, mm -hmm. uh, The Eternal Daughter, and Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio, which just came out uh, a week or two oh, ago. Cool. She's on a lot of stuff, dude. dude what yeah. are we taking? What are you going with? She's got a lot. Um, I mean, a couple of things I want to shout out. Like, she is, I, I really like her a lot as the ancient one. I know that was really divisive when that movie came out, but I thought sure. she was like super cool casting for that. Um, obviously, anything with Wes Anderson is great. Um, I hear great things about the new Suspiria as well. But yeah. for me, um, if Michael Clayton's on a list, I'm picking Michael Clayton. Like I Dude. love that movie so much. I still haven't seen that movie. You got it. Like it's, I, I picked it for the other pod, three films. Like I picked it for my most recent unsung gem. Cause I'm like, I, I just, that movie's so good. It is such a yeah. powerhouse, like performance and acting. Um, and she's kind of going toe to toe with Clooney for the whole movie in a way. And she That's is, good. she is wonderful. So uh, yeah. Anyone listening to this that hasn't seen Michael Clayton, please check it out. Ethan. Yeah, something. Yeah, <laughs> this guy right here, me. Um, uh, something popped up on my Twitter feed the other day where someone was like, "Look what I found in the wild," and it was a yard sign. And you know those yard signs that are like 
in this Dude, house. Dude, Ashley got one for me. In this house, while, like, you know, we support, like, all, uh, you know, we support Black Lives Matter and feminism is for everybody and all this kind of stuff. But it goes, in this house, we believe that Michael Clayton is a modern-day masterpiece and blah, 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 blah. And I was like, okay, I feel like this is a sign. I feel like I need to, I feel like <laughs> I need to watch Michael Clayton. <laughs> Literally, I feel like this is a sign. I yeah. need to watch Michael Clayton. Um, so it's on the short list. I, I got to watch it, dude. I got to watch it. it. Uh, I did watch Ticket to Paradise the other night. Have you seen Ticket to Paradise? Dude, I was, yeah, I meant to text you about it. We watched it the same night. Like, no the, shit, really? Unknowingly, yeah, yeah. Like, <laughs> Let's yeah, go. I, I had a great time with that movie, man. That's exactly what I wanted. Delightful. It was yeah. so delightful. Anyway, talking of Clooney, I thought he was great in that film. It is so a good. solid three-star movie of 2022, but it is delightful. I watched it with my mother-in-law. We just had a blast. I'm going to be it's, honest with you. It was so much fun. If you give me Clooney and Roberts on the screen together, like I'm on board. I need a part two. I need Ticket to, Bar- Ticket to Paradise part two, Living in Paradise. That's what I need. And, yeah, yeah. And, and I think it's warranted. And this movie made like $100 million at the box office. We deserve that, if anything. Yeah, Come like on. we have Meet the Parents and Meet the Fockers and whatever. Like, <laughs> yeah. give me Ticket to Paradise too. Come on, people. Ticket Maybe. to Paradise. There you go. Title's already figured out. Figured it out. We did let's it. it. Yes. <laughs> oh, God. It'd be so dumb if that didn't happen. Um, let's see. I, I think this is interesting because I, I was thinking about the A1 Act and, you know, I generally go with movies that I like and I know that really kind of defeats the purpose. Like, it's an A1 Act for Tilda Swinton. It's not for, like, mm-hmm. what movie is my favorite movie. Um, so... I am, I'm going to go, oh, this is a tough, I'm going to go with Moonrise Kingdom, honestly. I, I think that movie slaps. I think she's really yeah. good um, in that movie, and, and she's just part of an elite cast as well, mm-hmm. which is really good. Um, I, I do want to see 3,000 Years of Longing, even though I heard it wasn't super great. Um, I'm still interested. And my backup pick is going to be Snowpiercer, because she's Dude. really unnerving in that film. Yeah, um, that's a Really movie. creepy. And and I I think she is the person that is like part of the shoe scene where like they throw a guy's shoe out the window and she like kind of kind of mans that scene um and it's really 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 intense. Okay, our A twenty four ranking we have A through F twenty four. Before you rank it, Ben, I do have a real question for you here. So there's a couple movies that I've watched recently that I I don't necessarily love but I respect and I, okay. under, I understand the, the high ratings that lots of people are giving them, the four stars and the four and a half stars. How do you personally decide, you know, I loved this movie, but it just wasn't, you know, or, or I love this movie um, and it was really great. Or, you know what, this movie wasn't for me, but I respect it. It's very technically sound. It's got a great screenplay. Um, that in itself deserves a high rating. How do you kind of differentiate between like love for a movie and respect for a film? I feel like, are you subtweeting me about the Batman right now? Is Absolutely not. No, Is not even happening? close. You're subtweeting yourself. You did it to yourself. Because <laughs> that's like a lot about how I, I literally about didn't that even movie. think about that. I swear to God, it has nothing to do with that. Um, I don't know. I, I mean, I feel like it has to be taken into consideration, like the the production behind making a movie. Mm. Like I can tell something, you know, maybe isn't for me, but it was well done. Um, you may think of the Hansel quote from Zoolander, like, yeah. like who's one of my heroes is Sting. Like I don't listen to his music, but like I know, like <laughs> that's how I feel about like yeah. Bruce Springsteen. Like I don't listen to his sure. music, but I understand why people love him. But it's sure, like it's just sure. not for me. So I would never say he's bad, but like I'm not going <laughs> to give him five stars because I don't listen to him. Uh-huh. Um, so yeah, I think you, I, I feel like a, a honest person at least takes that into consideration. You know, there's like, 
there's bad movies and there's movies that just like don't work for you, but you understand that it's technically sound, that kind of thing. Yeah. So I I think I'm asking because of the Batman, of course, and I am asking also because of this movie. So I think I'm really caught in between those two situations. Like this movie, I think is really layered and nuanced and, and, and well-made and very smart and, and tackles a very big subject in a, a very um, kind of nuanced and tender way. So I see the merit. Will I be watching this again? No. Am I going to yeah. recommend this to somebody? Probably not. Do I, do I consider it one of the best underrated films of A24? I do not. I don't, I don't think so. Um, and so I think I'm kind of splitting that difference of like, like I, I kind of just want to be like this. I don't know. It was a movie that I watched. Like it, yeah. it's fine. I'll put it on letterbox. Um, and then, and then like, okay, th- this is very, very impressive, very technically sound, very good mm-hmm. all the way around. So I think personally, and we might revisit this next year. We might, re- we'll, we'll revisit this when we do part two for yeah. sure. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going with, and this, this might be a hot take. I'm going to go with a B minus 24 because okay. I think it's good. I think it's solid. I think it's got a lot of merits. I think it, it I think a lot of scenes that are, that are good. It just wasn't up my alley. It was just, it was, it was pretty slow. Wasn't a lot going down. Very introspective. Maybe I just wasn't in that mood tonight. Um, so, you know, chalk it up to whatever you want, but I'm going with the B minus 24. I think it makes total sense. We were talking earlier, like off the pod about movies that we love that we know aren't great, which is kind of like the opposite of what this was. You yeah, know, it's yeah, like, yeah, like I love the movie Big Daddy. It's one of my favorite Adam Sandler movies, but I'm aware that that's like a one and a half star movie. Technically, like it's not sure, a good sure. movie, but for me, it's a five star movie, you know, that kind of a thing. Yeah. Uh, and this, you know, this is that. But on the inverse, I'm like, I think it was well done, like well made. I enjoyed the shots. I enjoyed all the composition, like. We looked up some of the trivia. This was like set was built inside of an airplane hangar. I'm like, I didn't Unreal. know. Like it, yep. they did a great job with that, you know? And obviously all the performances were really strong, but it was just like still just really slow. Um, I was actually thinking about the same thing as a B minus 24, but I think I'm going to go with a C plus 24. Okay. Um, all right. when, I, when I put it into the different tiers and stuff, I'm like the B tier just feels too high for me. And a flat C24 just seems like, not necessarily disrespectful, but I'm like, it's not like the definition of mid, but it's just like a little bit better than that. So that's where I'm coming in where it's like the B tier right now seems too mm-hmm. high. I have a feeling like souvenir part two will probably fall into the B tier. If this continues where it's at, like I'll enjoy it. It's great. But like you said, like, I don't know when I'm going to revisit this at all. You know, like yeah. every movie I ever, for the most part, every movie I ever watch, I'm glad I did. Um, and this is falls into that where it's like, I'm glad I checked it out. Like, this is good. It's been on my list for a while, but I don't know that I'm ever going to revisit it. And it wouldn't fall in my top 10 recommendations for an A24 movie to somebody. So yeah, yeah it falls C C plus 24 for me. Yeah, that's, that's solid. I respect that. I, I think there is definitely a, a differentiation between like the B and the C tier. Um, but I do, I do think that there's a a lot to chew on here, and I do think that the the performances alone, at least for me, are pretty impressive and and pretty yeah. dang good. Like if I went to go, if I went to go see this movie, like in a local small local theater, I would probably walk out being like, okay, that was that was really highbrow, and I don't think I understood all of it, but that's that was a that was a fucking movie. Like that's mm-hmm. that was cinema. Like that was that yeah. was of that level. So I love it. I love our ratings. Um, and you know feels good and this was a great time Ben. this is great it really was. um yeah. i will say we've got some really fun stuff i know we teased this last week as well we've got some fun stuff coming up in the pod 
Uh, the schedule is looking really, really juicy. We gave a tease on Twitter. Go follow us on Twitter at 24 minutes of 824. Um, next week, we're covering the whale. If all goes yeah. according to plan, hopefully yep. that is the case. And we'll be back with another brand new A24 movie. And then after that, we can't talk about it. We got a, we got a surprise episode coming, coming down. Should be I'm, exciting. Like, obviously, we know what's going on. And I'm so <laughs> Yeah, it's excited. not a mystery to <laughs> like, us. I, like, <laughs> I, I can't wait to do this. Uh, I'm hoping everyone else will be on board with us as well. Um, again, like thanks to everyone for your support and reaching out to us, like talking to you guys online. is just some of the coolest shit. I love doing that. So, uh, thanks everyone for picking this movie for us. It was, it was honestly, it was good to watch. I'm really glad that we did. Um, I'm looking forward to getting into part two, uh, next year, but let us know what you thought of what we thought about the souvenir. I also want to hear what you guys think about the souvenir, like why this one won in a landslide, like hit us up, let us know. Uh, we are, you know, as Ethan said, on Twitter and Instagram at 24 minutes of a 24. And also we're on YouTube. So you can see us talk about this. Um, you can subscribe to you us. You can see there. my new orange beanie. I got a brand new orange beanie you can look at. It looks very that sharp. I just, I just made crooked all of a sudden. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I got my Empire Records shirt on tonight. Thank so, you, sir. Um, yeah. So go check us out. Uh, thanks again, everyone, for your support. I am Ben Lawhorn. And I am Ethan Simi. Spring break forever, bitches.